Hey everybody, welcome back to Making Waves Podcast with me, Tom Prather. I am beyond excited about this episode, uh, but first I need to introduce you to our brand new sponsors. I'm thrilled to announce our partnership with Jesse Itzler's BYLR 30 Days of Excellence. You know Jesse as the renowned entrepreneur, best-selling author, and quite honestly, just overall inspirational dude. 30 Days of Excellence is a BYLR program that offers live weekly life coaching with some of the world's best experts in their field. I mean, check out the list of these past guests. Wim Hof, Jim Quick, Sanjay Gupta, and so, so many more. It's hosted by Jesse, as well as Chad Wright, former Navy SEAL and world-class endurance athlete. Mark Brown, retired NFL player and celebrity trainer. Now, now here's the deal. I've been personally involved with Jesse and his Build Your Life resume since the summer of 2018. I'm on these calls every week and I absolutely love it. Most importantly, it's the community. I have developed so many real and great relationships and I mean, that's no joke. We literally get together, we've become accountability partners, we've become business coaches for each other. And we literally just like get together. It's been it's been invaluable to my life, my business, and um, quite honestly, my family. Now, you'll get four live video calls a month, access to Jesse's Build Your Life Resume course, which is a three hundred ninety nine dollar value, one challenge theme a month, a thirty day roadmap for successful habits, and unlimited access to past calls cost $60 a month, but if you're a Making Waves listener, you'll get 50% off the first month. That's just a dollar a day for the first month. Just go to BYLR.com, click on 30 Days of Excellence, and use the code WAVES at checkout. Our second new sponsor is Bridges Great Outdoors. I'm super excited about this one. Bridges is a world-famous clothing brand that changed the future of fashion as we know it by bringing us the iconic Warthog logo and the rugby shirt to America. I've personally been shopping at Britches since I was a kid. I mean, seriously, since I was a kid. I like to say it's prep, mixed with a little punk rock, mixed with a little surfer, all in one. But super high quality at affordable prices. The Britches brand did shut down in 2000, but after a 20-year wait, it's back and better than before. And our listeners get an exclusive 10% off anything in the store. Just go to warthog.vp and use the code WAVES at checkout. We try to make it easy with this whole WAVES thing. And that leads us to today's guest. It's Matt Carson, co-owner of The Very Bridges Great Outdoors and the man responsible for resurrecting the iconic Warthog. We talk about the history of Britches, its impact on culture, restarting a clothing brand, and why failures are vital to building a successful business. So on that note, I really hope you enjoy this episode of Making Waves. And remember, if you are driving, pull over, or certainly keep your eyes on the road. Enjoy this, guys. All right, well, thanks for being on the podcast. This is very exciting for me. Um, but before we talk about britches and how you have resurrected the brand, I have 10 rapid fire questions. For all you. right. First of all, thank you for having me. All pleasures all my first podcast. Is it? Mm-hmm. Boom. This is awesome. All right. These questions are asked to everybody. These are the same questions. All right. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Beach or mountains? Ah. That's a tough one. <laughs> Especially if you look in some of those places. Uh, mountains. Really? Yeah. All right. Yeah. PC or Mac? PC. Really? Mm-hmm. That's surprising. Uh, East or West Coast? East. Kramer or Costanza? Kramer. Superman or Batman? Batman. This is Okay. This is the one people have a tough time with. Okay. I don't understand why. Kardashians or Osborns? Which reality family do you love the most? Uh, uh, Osborns, if I had to pick. Okay, well, Ozzie, there you go. Come on. That's the nature of this thing. <laughs> yeah. Gotta pick. yeah, Ozzy. Awesome. Love Ozzy. Mm-hmm. All right, so 
I didn't know in planning this podcast, I didn't know where to start because Bridges, great, well, Bridges of Georgetown and Bridges Great Outdoors are to me iconic. Um, and they were hugely popular. What would you say from uh, Pennsylvania down to like Georgia? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what's I've been I've been thinking a lot about this. Back then, it was kind of a regional iconic brand. I think it would have been a national international brand, but the internet wasn't the internet back yeah. then, which is an interesting kind of dichotomy with what you're doing now because. You're all over. You're all over the world mm-hmm. now because of the internet. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that being said, let's talk a little bit about the heritage of Bridges. T- tell tell my audience what what is Bridges Great Outdoors. So in 1967, if you look at clothing in the 60s, it was a massive revolution among everything else, music. So in the 60s, gave birth to Ralph Lauren, Bridges, Vans. Calvin Klein. I mean, a lot of the brands we know today were birthed in the 60s. Yeah. Uh, North Face is another one. Um, Britches started as the slack shop in Georgetown. A couple 20-year-olds, no money. They would self-describe as having no idea what they were doing. And this was Britches of Georgetown. That was it, was was it that turned, the, the slack shop turned into Britches. Okay, slack Britches, yeah. right? Which was suits, upscale clothing, ties. And for the millennials that are listening to this podcast, slacks are pants. Slacks are pants. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Uh, and uh, so what happened was they had a huge uh, consumer base that wanted casual clothing. So they started selling jeans. That turned into a sister brand called Britches of jo- Britches Great Outdoors, which was the casual clothing side. That exploded. Yeah. You had a period late seventies, eighties, which was the the birth of prep. Clothes clothing historians will say prep started in Georgetown. And this is penny loafers without socks, you know, polo shirts, um, needlepoint belts, all, all of that. What happened is, you know, you have the polo pony, you have the alligator, you have all these animal logos appearing on polo shirts. The crew at Britches, to kind of poke fun at this preppy uniform, thought of the ugliest animal they could think of to put on a shirt as a joke. So they came up with the warthog. It kept selling out. Yeah. So the Warthog became this brand identity of Britches Great Outdoors, which was the anti-brand. Or in the 80s, they called it Preppy with a Middle Finger. Um, and Britches became this experimental house for clothing. But it, does it go deeper than that? Meaning, like, you had, you kind of referenced it. So in 67, Ralph Lauren was just starting, and J. Crew was in The Gap yep. and all these, these Gap, brands. that's another one, yeah. But you had mentioned earlier, they were all buddies? Is that how? Yeah, all, uh, uh, most of them were. The, the founders of Britches were friends with Ralph Lauren. Uh, Ralph Lauren was selling his ties to Britches. He would drive down from New York. Uh, literally with a, a trunk full of ties. Um, and the Ameri- I'll give you some examples. The American flag that started appearing on clothing mm-hmm. in, in the 80s, that was a britches creation. Ralph Lauren co-opted that. Huh. So did J. Crew, other brands. So in those early days, britches was at the forefront of blending preppy with funk, with, you know, punk, with surf with it was it was it was the what they never could explain it just happened organically was it was one of those rare stores where dads and their sons would shop at the same store yeah they could both find something but in that time i guess the historians will go back and look at britches as kind of the founder of this stuff so polo shirts they didn't invent a polo shirt that was uh, izod Okay. Lacoste. So that was the first. That was the first. It was 
all the pushing of the boundaries from okay. like they didn't invent the Oxford, for instance, they didn't invent the flannel, but it was pushing these boundaries. Yeah. It was taking something and, and, and pushing it into different categories. It's like, you know, you'd look at a flannel, a flannel was, you know, workwear, you know, on the tractor, on the track, they, they took it and pushed it into casual and then funk and then, uh, you know, saying, okay, how can we, you know, funk this up a little yeah. bit? You know, it was, it was all of those, like putting a warthog on a, on a polo. And then traditional polos were a little thinner cotton material. Britches made theirs several degrees thicker. You know what I mean? Yeah. It became known as this, you know, tough, you know, lasts 30, 40 years clothing item. Were, was the britches polo shirt, did that precede... Ralph Lauren's iconic polo shirt? No. Okay. No. Um, they were putting the warthog on the polos in reaction to. All Almost the like in spite. In spite of saying, yeah. okay, now all these animal logos are appealing, uh, appearing on prep wear. Let's put some hideously ugly <laughs> animal on it and see, yeah. you know, as a joke. And they put it right in the front window and they just kept selling out. And they were like, you know, and it, you were talking about regional at its height. Bridges had 133 stores. Um, it felt like that was our brand. You know, that was our anti-brand, you yeah. know, for first D.C. area and then grew from there. Like, you know, no one else has this. Well, we talked about this many times. For me, growing up, Bridges was... See, you... It's it's interesting. It it for for me it encompassed who I was, right? Like you go to like a Ralph Lauren, and that's who you are. You're just like that's who you are. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, how would you like preppy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But with britches, there was a little punk rock with yeah. the prep. There was a little surfer with the prep. There was, and a lot of brands today are doing that. Yeah. A lot of brands, yeah. like we talked, like Aviator Nation or Howard Heller Brothers. Yeah, Heller Brothers. Um, yeah. A ton of them. Yeah. But. In my opinion, and I, maybe his, historians will see it differently, uh, I think Bridges was the yes. in the forefront of that. Bridges was that that that, and, and you think about Bridges, it had founders that started with suits and ties, yeah. mixed with a whole crew of younger people who who were in the buying and designing department. Yeah. So it was that interesting mix plus the time, you know, sixty starting in the sixties, growing into the eighties. Um, yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct. Um, that's, that's kind of the genesis and, and their willingness to push. I'm sorry, we're closed. Okay. That's right. Just lock that, sorry. Let <laughs> me do that real quick. It's a hometown store. That's I all know, we love. I know. But they were really at the forefront of mixing cultures, clothes, and 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 the surfers could come in here, and this you know the the preppies and yeah. and the punk rockers, and it, it kind of it was a big melting pot, That's especially it. in Georgetown. In Georgetown, you think about the environment, the the time period, and their willingness to push boundaries and yeah. try things. I mean, I would go to Commander Salamanders yes. and Britches on the same day. That's it. And that's it. It's kind of not unheard of now, but it's yeah. just like Sam Goody to yeah, 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 exactly. all that stuff. Exactly. So yeah. you know, a lot of people have wondered because a lot of people, certainly in the DC metro area, and you know, you said 130 stores. Mm -hmm. It was kind. They went away very much like the Baltimore Colts left. Yeah, Baltimore. Yeah. What happened? So they, in the 90s, you started to see a lot of consolidations of, of brands, uh, particularly in clothing. It, one other quick thing about britches, there was always a concentration on quality and price. It would have been very easy to become a brand because quality was first. That was job one. To say, okay, we're going to start selling shirts for $85, $100, $120. And they could have. They could have become that brand. Yeah. Um, that was never 
you know, it was it was almost religion to say quality, never absurd prices, you know, and we're gonna experiment. Um, so they uh, got sold to a conglomerate of what they call mall brands. They own like Nordic Track and these other brands. Then it got sold to Guest Jeans. Did it really? Yeah. And um, they probably didn't know what to do with it. They didn't know what to do with it. Um, guess one of the uh, attractive points was Bridges again at 133 stores of prime real estate. Um, and they had a rabid fan base. Oh, yeah. You know, and just like you said, these other brands buy it and don't know exactly what to do with it. And it just got shuttered. Yeah. Um, and then. You ended up with this mad dash towards um, cheaper clothing that was constantly changing directions, chasing fads. You look at what Banana Republic used to be mm -hmm. to what they are now, and, and that whole period in between was just chasing fads, but as opposed to you know staying true to that route. During that time, also was that the emergence of fast fashion, exactly where the clothes weren't that weren't, weren't put together that well. Quality didn't, didn't matter anymore. Long. It was all about uh, to, you look at what happened to Abercrombie and Fitch, what they used to be towards you know going towards the tween uh, market, a hundred miles an hour. So that's what really the '90s, early 2000s turned into was these storied brands just chasing, yeah. chasing fads, and, and again you know cheaper clothing. Um, yeah. Well, the one thing that I think we need to really talk about was just how loyal britches shoppers were they loved it yeah it was kind of a lifestyle not just a brand yeah and as a brand you can't wish for anything better than that yeah i mean people sp i mean that's that's a shooting yeah. star right there you nailed it exactly what 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 do you think that comes from you know it, it's fascinating um and they'll never you know stop being uh they'll never cease making case studies on these things of, of how you create that and most of the time it's just organic yeah it wasn't forced it wasn't trying to be something it just happened and it's a mixture of the time the people uh listening to customers and the fearlessness in pushing boundaries yeah pushing things you know admitting when something doesn't work when something does work, understanding, you know, uh, trying to understand why and see if you can push it even further without copying. Yeah. That's the, you know, without copying or trying to be something you're not. Yeah. If, if all that. Well, makes so let's, sense. speaking of copying, let's talk about the rugby shirt, yeah. the classic yeah. rugby shirt. Tell me where that came from. And is it safe to say that Britches brought that to America? Yeah, that's the story. So there were variations on rugby's you know this is where it gets complex people will say well it's a long sleeve polo it's not it's not i have a long sleeve polo yeah, it's nothing not. it's not nothing like it then they would make thicker long sleeve polos they would change it what happened was some some of the britches crew was in england mm -hmm. on a buying trip and they saw a rugby shirt um they literally saw rugby players in a bar wearing this, you know, off the field, off the field, grass stained, muddy. And mm -hmm. we're like, oh my, you know, thick, thick cotton, you know, because uh, it would have to, it has to be tough. Yeah. Brutal. brutal. Yeah. Uh, you know, double placket uh, collar. So they, they talked to these rugby players and they ended up buying one and bringing it back and kind of, you know, just fell in love with this thing. Um, and then went about having it made with some tweaks that were very britches. Tweaks, the rub, the classic famous rubber buttons. Yep. Um, a kind of, you know, improved collar that made it a little more casual. Um, and introduced that in the 70s, and it just went crazy. So every rugby that you see, you know, Ralph Lauren copied it, J. Crew copied it. You name a brand, they copied that rugby. Um, and they, they say, you know, in the eighties, they sold 18 million plus units of, of that rugby shirt. Yeah. It became known as the rugby. It was the model for the rugby and it's been copied many times, but it's not, 
It's never the same. So I think that's one. I mean, so it's interesting. Bridges is if you lived anywhere between Pennsylvania to Georgia, but certainly in the Mecca Center of Washington, D.C., metro area, Bridges was in your blood. Yeah. And it was something that you couldn't necessarily define back then. I can define it now looking back at it, but it was just this thing. It was a culture. It was a movement. Um, really f- well-made stuff um, that was cool, hip, fun. Um, and when I started talking to you about all this and hearing what role it played in just fashion as we know it today, I mean, you know, we talked about Ralph Lauren and all these guys, quote-unquote, let's just say borrowing the concept of the rugby. I mean, that's that's the reality of it. Um, but even so, they were all, it's like friendly rivalry back mm-hmm. then, right? Between mm-hmm. all those guys. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I think it's okay to say, didn't Britches like bail out Ralph Lauren at one point? Yeah. yeah. What, exactly. What's the story with that? There was a loan made um, in the 70s. Um, you know, uh, Ralph Lauren is famous for pushing boundaries um, and taking big risks. Um, and in the seventies, he needed um, he needed a loan. Um, so the Bridges guys, he came to them, yeah, um, and they helped him out. Um, that's how close knit a lot of that world yeah. world was. Hyper competitive, but at the same time, there was a mutual respect. Yeah, you know, um, because they were the ones again. I know I keep using this phrase, but they were the ones pushing boundaries and reinventing what a clothing company was that it wasn't just your traditional model of walking into a a department store to buy a shirt because you needed a button-up shirt it was um you know let's introduce new things new ideas new colors new patterns that before would have been considered hideous yeah uh bridge is another famous uh one is the ugly shirt where they just took patches that that in in any normal world would never go together, you know. If you study patches of like plaid, patches of plaid, um, is they're taking different patterns and different colors that you know any color scientist would say those should never <laughs> be on the same garment, and calling it the ugly shirt, and it just kept yeah, just selling. Just calling it what it is. Yeah, exactly. You know. So, it, so you think about a clothing company before that actually calling a shirt and uh, making a shirt ugly, yeah, <laughs> and then calling it an ugly shirt like that's well. So that's the thing. To, as, as someone that um, you know helps build brands for a living, I look at, I look back at Britches, and it was more than just a place where you got clothes. It was buying a statement. Yeah. That when you walked out the door, you were trying to convey that message and statement to people. Yeah. And it started with, you know, it wasn't until I realized why they picked the warthog. It was, it was a, it was a middle finger of, yeah. of hey, this is who I am. That's it. You know, kind of thing. I have this ugly shirt. I have the cool t-shirts. Like yeah. everything. And I hate to overuse this word, but to me, everything was just iconic. So it disappeared. Years go by. Were there, there were several attempts to bring it back, right? Yeah, there were offers made. Um, companies like Eddie Bauer, et cetera, made offers um, to bring the band, brand back. Uh, the founder, the original founders, knew that um, it would again wouldn't be organic. It wouldn't be for love of yeah. what it was. But they brought the rights back to the the, the founder uh, uh, Rick Hendon. Once it was shuttered, bought the licensing back. Okay, which was a smart move. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then 20 years go by. And you walk in the door. Tell me how this happened. Yeah, so a mutual friend who I didn't know knew the founder of Britches. Um, I was making these blazers. And uh, he said, would you like to meet the founder of Britches? I said, you kidding me? <laughs> Let's go. So we met it for lunch in, in uh, D.C. And... I asked what happened to it first, and he kind of went through the story, and I said, we got to bring it back. Yeah. we got to bring the Warthog back. He goes, yeah, I've had offers and this and that, you know. Um, and I said, well, you know, I'd like to – I'm serious. Like, this isn't just casual conversation. So that night I sent him a term sheet, a draft term sheet. Uh, and in a matter of days we signed a deal. 
But what, what was your, this is what amazes me, what was your background? Uh, in the in the quote unquote clothing business, zero. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> well, what made you think you could yeah. run such not even just a clothing brand, yeah. but like a really popular brand that you knew? Well, I mean, you knew people were going to have been waiting twenty years for this to come back, mm -hmm. and you knew what a microscope you would be under yeah. by open by even attempting this well this journey well put yeah. so what made you think that this like you could even do it I never stopped to think about uh, you know the idea that I, I, I couldn't do it um, I was keenly aware that it had to be done right there was no room for error in terms of quality and everything well can I pause you for a yeah. second what did bridges mean to you for you to even want to get involved in this? So this is what I conveyed to Rick. Rick could see right out of the gate my passion for it. Um, in middle school, it was bridges or nothing. Yeah. If, if the shirt didn't have a warthog, your polo shirt had anything but a warthog, you were a poser. You know what I mean? You were trying to be something. Um, in fact, my parents dug up an old letter um, where I was trying to... Uh, ask them for a clothing allowance that I broke down item by item and every item on the list was either a Nike, Adidas, or Bridges. And I actually itemized rugby shirts. <laughs> like that's how deep, you know, yeah. it went. Um, anyway, so I convey that to Rick, the passion for it. This isn't just a business thing, idea. This is a true passion. So for it what meant something brand. to you to Absolutely. have that word hog on it like me. Absolutely. Um, and I never stopped to consider. I know nothing about the clothing business <laughs> or retail. I never. So you jumped in the company. pool, didn't check for water. No. Didn't have one of those floaty no. things under your arm. You know, the. No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> All right. Nope. So nope. you guys do the deal. Yeah. Did you have that moment of, oh, crap? I didn't have that moment of, oh, crap, until I started ordering samples from clothing factories. How did you even know how to do that? Um, did you have anyone that kind of walked you through, like, help you out? Zero. So how did you know, like, who to call to get So prior to that, I made blazers, men's blazers that were funky. They're made of duck cloth. They have these funky elbow patches. And I made a few hundred of those. Are these the ones that, like, literally, they're, they're the, the elbow patches are made from, like... Uh, uh, outdoor cushion fabric. Outdoor cushion <laughs> yeah, fabric. Nothing about this blazer makes sense. Uh, it breaks every single rule. Of yeah, it. but okay. But where yeah. does what is that connection? Correct. There you go. Exactly. Um, in fact, a funny thing. I wore that blazer to the meeting with Rick to show him, like, oh, he's going to be impressed with this thing I made. And he goes, oh, that's an interesting choice with duck cloth. I said, yeah, it's waterproof, stainproof. He goes, yeah, that's a interesting choice. I said, I can make you one. Do you want one? He goes, no, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm not impressed with this, <laughs> this particular. Well, one. you must be a great salesman because you over you uh, overcame that challenge of yeah, painting that jacket. My one example of a clothing item I created was not, uh, yeah. Uh -huh. No, I didn't get scared until I ordered my first sample. So, you know, I, I researched clothing manufacturers, fabrics I wanted to start with. Uh, I had no idea how to develop a size chart. Um so I start ordering samples from different manufacturers and they come back as a shirt, but there's a feel that you cannot explain. Yeah. That's different from just going to Gap or something and picking up a Oxford. I was getting shirts back that felt like you just went into a shopping center or a Gap and you know, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's not britches. It didn't feel, and I didn't know how to convey it, understand it. Then I went on this mad mission of buying a men's button-up shirt from every manufacturer out there, yeah, and, and and laying them out and dissecting them and figuring out what you know. And of course, I still had original britches stuff that I could point to and say, you know. So I really went into a obsessive uh, period of understanding clothing, fabrics, construction, terminology, so I can convey to the manufacturers. And then... Was it a lot of YouTube? 
Watch oh me. my goodness! YouTube, endless reading. Um, yeah, it, it, and I got better at learning to convey things to the manufacturer and the and the, the mills. And you start to whittle down, whittle down to your core manufacturers. You learn the ones that just aren't going to get there. You can't push them to make it better. Right. They have their way of doing it. Um, which leads us to today where I'm working to create a U.S. manufacturing base for our clothing, which has a long tail to it. We'll get there piece by piece, but that's great. Yeah, that's where I want to. That's where I want to take this ultimately. Yeah. Did your wife think you were crazy? Yeah, she thinks I'm crazy. Anyway. Still, she knew she, she knows who she married. <laughs> so, <laughs> so at any point in that like R and D time, were you? Did you tell anybody? No, I was. I was. No one knew. No, no, I couldn't tell. You know, let me add a, a critical piece to this. We started with button-ups, Oxfords, moved into flannels. Um, the rugby, back to the rugby, is an essential britches item. I knew there was no way I could tackle that by myself. A guy by the name of Anderson McNeil was part of the original team. Anderson um, it came into britches in his 20s. A lot of the items we know that are he was part of, wow. the key, a key part of. Yeah. So I contacted him, and he jumped right in. And so when the rugby comes out this weekend, it has that original, you know, team behind it. You know, you said, you said um, how things feel. And... I touched the prototype a couple weeks back, mm -hmm. and I don't know how to describe it either. Right. You can't. No. You can't describe and it's, it. And I'm not ragging on any other, but it's fast fashion, right? Yep. So you go into a store now. My, da my daughter's going on 12, and she just became acclimated to a store forever blank. Mm -hmm. And you touch it, and it's just like, well, this won't last yep. a season. Yep. Like, this is going to be... You know, destroyed by the end of this month. Yeah. And when I held that that rugby prototype, it's I don't know. There's a couple things that, that are happening. One, it immediately takes you back. That 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 touch in the feel takes you back because they don't make clothes like that anymore. They don't. And I know I'm dating myself or sound old fashioned, but they just don't make clothes that that way anymore. So there's a quality element to it. There's a textual, tactile element just with how it feels. Mm -hmm. But then you look at like the rubber buttons yes. and the collar and just Double it, plaque, it took yeah. me back. But the biggest compliment I can give you is, so we met, we should probably talk about this. I, uh, my best friend since the first day of seventh or eighth grade, um, which he was <laughs> wearing a Pritchard's rugby. And I had, I told you, I had all my green, yes, my yes, green pants right, yes. and my pink shirt yes. and my, my uh, dog yeah. ciders. <laughs> yeah. And he was Coming upset. Strong. Yeah, he didn't like me at first because <laughs> apparently Julie Wood looked my way. Okay. Hi, Julie. That's right. Um, Julie's down in Miami now. Uh, but, uh, and neither one of us dated her. So, okay. Joke's on her, I guess. <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, but, uh, I mean, it takes you back. So, so he contacted me. I don't know, months ago, mm -hmm. sometime maybe late fall, mm -hmm. I think maybe, and was like, "Hey, you're never going to believe this. Bridges is back," <laughs> and that's been going around the D.C. area. Yeah. We're in Warrington, Virginia, which we'll talk about yeah. why you're here and why the the, the comeback store is here. But um, I posted something on my Instagram story, and then you responded, mm -hmm. and we were talking one night. I'm like, I gotta, I don't know what I can, how I can fit in, mm -hmm. but I need to, I need to be a part of this this. Yeah. This Phoenix story coming <laughs> yeah. back. And then I'm like, yeah, so who am I talking to? I was like, oh, I'm the, I'm the owner. I'm like, oh, this is crazy. <laughs> so the you captured it. And I don't know how you did it because you um, don't have a clothing background mm -hmm. besides the, the uh, we'll, we'll show those in some okay. B-roll, those, those jackets. But I don't know how you did it, but you did it. Well, thank you. Yeah. That means the world to me. And but, oh, So the biggest compliment I can give you is that same post that got your attention, a friend of mine from Portland, Oregon, reaches out and goes, hey, 
where's that? Okay. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, where, where can I get that whatever it was, uh-huh. like the shirt or something? I'm like, have you heard of Bridges? He goes, no. Because, you know, D.C. is such a transient yeah, area. Yeah, yeah. So the Bridges lore has has reached across the country and, and the world because people just move out of D.C. and travel. But um, So I just assumed. But he, so there's some, you have one foot firmly planted in the past and that heritage. Mm-hmm. But then you're moving into the future as well. And I'm excited for you because now that you have the internet, yeah, you know, right now you have one store in Warrenton, Virginia, mm-hmm. which is a very small town of hour and twenty minutes outside of DC, yeah, yeah. rural area, yeah, um, a lot of pastures and animals, yeah. livestock, and more, stuff. more cattle than people, more cattle than people. Mm-hmm. Um, and would it be safe to say this is kind of like a soft open store? We're testing things out here. You know, this is our template. Okay. You know, we started online and it quickly occurred to me when you sell something online, which is great, I don't hear from the customer. I don't get any feedback. Yeah. It sells. If it gets returned or exchanged, 1% of people leave a comment as to why. So I had to open a store quickly with this phase one of the return to learn from the customer. Um, so in the beginning, every single call to customer service came to my cell phone mm. because I wanted to talk to every single person. That's I wanted crazy. to learn. I didn't tell them I was the owner. I just, yeah. I, you know, um, every single comment of everyone that comes in the store, I need to hear to understand if I'm doing this right, if it feels, you know, if something's off, something's yeah. not right, I need to know everything. What's been the feedback? Incredible. Nostalgic? Thankfully. Nostalgic. People coming in, bringing their kids in. Um, uh, an attorney said he's redoing his entire wardrobe and britches. You know, I mean, it, it, it's been phenomenal. Uh, the criticisms have been incredible as well i take every single one and say okay you know we need to do this different or better um so it's been great one thing that's been kind of hilarious is the impatience <laughs> like okay bridges back where's that polo where's that rugby i want this you know where the henley remember the bridges henley where's the Hen-? you know and i'm like it's coming it's all coming yeah. we can't do everything at once we got to each piece has to be right you yeah. know as we as we go, and I'm impatient too, trust me, and I have to stop myself from being impatient to make sure each thing is, is done right. Um, and the funny thing too is I, I, working with the manufacturers and the mills, we've learned to work with each other, them learning right out of the gate. I know nothing about the business. I, know, I have no idea how to communicate things like you know people in the industry. Um, and in a weird way, that's been good because I can just use like normal adjectives to say, <laughs> you know, no, and then they kind of, in an interesting way, get into it too. Like, yeah. oh, you want thicker, you want heavier, you want softer, you know, um, you know, I'm like, you know, the flannel, like this isn't like going to flannels and I learn about brushed cotton and how they brush it and this matter. Can you do it twice? Can you run it through the, you know, and they're like, yeah, we can try that. And they, it becomes kind of fun on both sides. Like, you know, yeah. all right, let's push this a little further. And, you know, um, I went through a weird week-long odyssey on buttons. <laughs> like, these buttons aren't, you know. They're like, what do you mean the buttons aren't? Like, I don't know. I can't. You know, so there's you go through bags of samples of buttons. And then you have to put them on the shirt. You can't just touch. You got to put it on the shirt. And yeah. So, you know, anyway. I think it connects A lot of rabbit holes. It taps you into the the bloodline of why Bridges was started in the first place and that attitude Mm -hmm. because they didn't know what they were doing. Right. And so I'm a musician, you know, and, and uh, specifically a guitar player. And there are two types of guitar players. If you really kind of boil it down to this ones that are classically trained, went to class, know how to read music, know all the scales, Mm -hmm the variance of scales and then there's people that just pick it up and taught themselves and fell down the stairs and landed right you can tell those yeah not by watching them you can tell by that's a good point right yeah and 
it's been my experience. My favorite guitar players are the ones that didn't this found it found their own way because they have more soul. It's that soul that's driving them. And the classically trained guys don't have that soul in their playing. They're not copying someone else's vibe. They're crazy yeah. the because yeah. 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 Or it's not perfect. Yeah. Like those classical trained guys, like the Steve Vies and the Joe Satrianis mm-hmm. of the world, they're like perfect players. But that's not what our hear- ears want. You're we right. want a little grit. A little grit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what Bridges has. Yeah. And somehow you captured it once again. Well, thank you. Um, that honestly means a lot. So what's next? We have the rugby coming out. A lot what, of stuff. Yeah. So five years down the road, what does Bridges look like? So this is a template, this store, for us to learn and, and get it right. The goal is to move into historic college towns. This time, we're not going into malls. We're going into historic college towns. Like vibey areas. Exactly. Uh, uh, Which, by the way, Warrington is. It's a cool little town. It has, it was this fair to say this is the historic strip? Yes. Uh, yeah. So there's my favorite restaurant right next yes, to two yeah, doors down. Yeah. There's a cool coffee shop there. But there's these real, it's a really cool It is. Town. It's a funky little historic yeah. town. Yeah. yeah. Two breweries, couple bars, great restaurants. Um and I was born and raised here. Yeah. You know, I love it. So this has been a great experience. Um, so, yeah, we want to take this model as we get better at it, move it into historic college towns. And, and the, here's, a, here's a kicker that I can't explain. If you walk into a clothing store, I go to the beach, I walk into a clothing it would never occur to me in a million years to give the employees of that store criticisms or ideas for what they should do next. Yeah. Never. I would just say, okay, there's nothing here for me. I like this one shirt, <laughs> check out and leave. With britches, it's so familiar that most people that come in are either just, you know, going crazy that it's back and and then they'll immediately say, Where's this? Where's that? Are you doing this? You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's like it's comforting. It's like we're all in this together. Uh-huh. I don't want to sound cheesy, but it's so true. And then it, I love it. The, the, the employees that work the store love it. You know, um, the emails we get, the comments we get, it's like, it's like this isn't my brand. This isn't, you know, it, it, it's almost like a collective ownership and stake into this thing. Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys. The Cowboys, I mean, they're my favorite team, but you know, oddly enough growing up in mm-hmm. DC. But he always said it's such a it's such a brand and it's it's America's team mm-hmm. that he's not the owner. We all are the owners. Right. He's just kind of the caretaker from now until mm-hmm. that changes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's the role that you're playing. It is. Are we allowed to know? Well, I'll say this before I get into possible locations, if you are mm-hmm. up to discussing that. Yeah. The handful of times I've been here, it's been the coolest part about Well, first of all, the coolest part about this walking in, and it's a time machine. Mm-hmm. Not in a dated kind I of hear way. You. I hear you. Not yes. in a dated yes, way. Yes, yes. But like, um, home. Yeah. You know? I love that. But then the the my favorite part, getting past that, is being in the store and hearing and watching other people yes. walk in. Now, the last time I was here, a lady maybe in her 60s walked in, yeah. and she was acting the same way I yes. was. Yeah. And then there was someone, you know, a teenager came in one time, and it was like, oh, that's a really cool shirt. <laughs> or this that. So it, like, it, it's, it's trippy yeah. because it feels like the movement of yesteryear yes not in a dated way but like the origin i listen not too many so this podcast is all about like how brands and people make waves and they're you know Mm -hmm. and it's really difficult if if a brand goes away it really never comes back yeah and if it does it's a shell of itself yeah somehow you have been able to capture and I hate to say this one. This is going to be this. I'm going to try to have this be the last time I say it. An iconic brand that meant so much to I people. I don't get tired of that. This <laughs> <laughs> is an iconic brand. <laughs> yeah, there's no better way to put it. Um, but you've captured that lightning in a bottle again. And as someone that brands for a living, I'm just mesmerized by it. Thank you. Because it's just, I don't know how you did it. That that honestly, I, I know I keep saying it, but it does mean the world to me because. 
it took me a while to understand. And this, again, this is going to sound cheesy, forgive me, but obviously Bridges is a business. Yeah. We have to make money to grow and add items and all that. Aside from that, it's more than just making a shirt, designing a shirt. The shirt has to, I don't know how else to describe it, but it's like a, like a Disney thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, that, that, like an that spark, that little yeah, yeah. piece of magic, you know yeah. what I mean? That, that, um, and it, and it took me a while to realize it has nothing to do with me. You know, I put all this pressure on myself because this has to be done right. And that pressure remains and there's sleepless nights, you know, wondering if, if I'm doing this right. But what happened very, fairly quickly was it took on a life of its own. It took me a while to understand that this isn't, I'm not creating this. Yeah. Like you said, I'm a steward of it. And it makes no sense, and I cannot describe how that's happening. I'll give you an example. When we first opened, we recreated these um, funky windbreakers. They're about as 80s. Discuss? The, the, uh, the oh, white and blue ones yeah, in yeah. the other room. And uh, I can't say I necessarily designed it. It kind of just happened. You know, there's a discussion back and forth, talking, and it just kind of came about. And it says britches on the back collar. Mm-hmm. And uh, we put them in the store for opening weekend. They sold out immediately. These high school and college age kids and middle school kids were coming in, buying them left and right. And then the very next day, uh, one of the kids would walk in with three of their friends, and they would, and they're just, and they're everywhere. And, you know, we had people driving up from Richmond, and and, and and this one comment struck me. This guy drove up from Richmond. He saw it opened. Someone shared it on Facebook. He canceled his meetings that morning. He drives an hour and a half each way to the store. And I'm glad I was here when he came in to talk with him. And he said, uh, 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 stores like this don't exist anymore. Uh-uh. And I said, what do you mean? And he couldn't describe it. It was driving me crazy and driving him crazy at the same time. They couldn't put it into words, but I needed to, again, learn. I yeah. needed to understand what he was referring to. And it just kind of stayed with me that... I had, I had to go to Home he, Depot yesterday. You know, he couldn't explain what that meant, but... Yeah. Uh, I went to Home Depot yesterday, and nobody wanted to come with me. I usually can talk the kids into coming, because Home Depot has, like, a really good candy yeah. aisle right yeah. in front of yeah. the register. And... Uh, I was gone for a while, you know, because it's, it's, you know, we're still in Corona time and it's mm-hmm. nice to get out of the house. Mm-hmm. I hear you. <laughs> in a car. I hear you. Just just really to escape. Yeah. <laughs> so I come back and I'm pulling into my driveway and there's my 11-year-old daughter in that windbreaker that you're talking about. Nice. And over there, shooting her with a hose, <laughs> is my son okay. with the... Can I say rugby yes, prototype? Yes, yes. The prototype. It's a prototype of the rugby. It. And I just pulled in. I'm laughing, yes. going... This is it's happening again. You just went into a time machine yes, and came back with that. But it yeah. feels so good. See, the thing is, though, I, I've said a couple times, not dated. You have this balance of I'm looking at the t-shirt wall over there. It has a foot into the origins of it, mm-hmm. but then there's this newness to it as well, mm-hmm. and it's like this perfect balance, mm-hmm. you know. And it's it's Bridges is going. The same place, but in a new, a new direction yeah. all at once. Yeah. So where can we expect britches stores? Like, can we talk about specifically what cool vibey towns? Yeah. So on our radar uh, next is Charlottesville, Richmond, ideally store number four, back to Georgetown. Okay. Because everyone's been and wanting to know what's, the, what's up with Georgetown. Yeah, Georgetown's been in communication okay. <laughs> since it was announced so that that's a uh you know absolutely has to happen what do you think that'll mean to that area to have bridges yeah. back in dc and if i can cuss on this show to come back to georgetown yeah when that happened i mean I, you got to have your shit together yeah you know what I mean? I mean, we're, we're, again, growing, learning piece by piece, getting, you know, uh, the house together. Um, when that happens, the return to Georgetown, yeah, everything has to be in place and buttoned up, ready to go, a lot of inventory. We've really got to have uh, 
the system in place, uh, what it means to Georgetown. Um, it, one, one British customer who contacted us, say he was a customer since the 70s, said when we came back and he bought his first shirt from the return, he said he instructed all of his friends and family every Christmas birthday from now on. <laughs> This is where they're to shop. <laughs> I said, that means so much to me. And he said, are you coming back to Georgetown? I said, we will be. And he said, I will cry. <laughs> so, you know, that's, he was being serious. You know, <laughs> like throughout he, this whole. He, he will break down and cry when I. Yeah. Throughout this conversation, I keep second guessing myself of, are we, re are, am I explaining that well enough? Because I'm, I'm trying to convey this to people that live in the middle of Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it it was a huge thing that yeah. meant a lot of, you know. I'm trying to think of, like, other brands, and I can't really think of one that meant so much that was so huge and iconic, even if you didn't realize it. Like, again, the rugby shirt yeah. or, you know, the polo shirt or the Henley. Um, that was the other thing. That's what, that's what they became referred to as. It was simply the... Rugby, yeah, the polo, yeah. Like you didn't have to say anything else. Like, like wearing an, like I found a picture. I, I didn't bring it. I had to send it of the my American flag rugby that was diagonal yes, yes, over that. Yes, um, it just meant so much to people, and it had such an impact on the fashion world that we know now. And uh, I'm just glad, you know, it's 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 going to be awesome. Yeah. All right, so it's, it's been fun. It's fun. As we wrap this up, um, what's been your most favorite mistake that led you to a breakthrough? Mm, excellent question. I got to think for a minute. Okay. When we first, okay, the thing no one can really wrap their head around is the size chart. For men and women, it's, you know, one brand's large is another brand's XL or medium. Mm -hmm. It's all, sizing is all over the map. There is no standard. I wrestled with that endlessly. Our first versions of shirts are, 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 are sized different than the ones we sell now. So, again, it goes back to listening to the customer, every word. Women came in and said, you know, these are size small. Younger women came in and said, these are size too big. <laughs> I was like, okay. Anyway, guys came in and were saying, okay, this shirt's great, but I have to go up a size for my belly. But then the shoulders are baggy. The top's baggy. Mm -hmm. So I kept playing with it, cutting shirts up, re-sewing them, and, and uh, <laughs> we developed this shirt. That's now called the dad bod. That is regular up top. Is that dad bods over there? Okay. The uh, you know it's regular up top, but then and people started flipping out. I guess this fits perfectly, like you know, um, and uh, <laughs> it's a women buying a shirt for their husband get a massive kick out of the fact it's called the dad bod. You know. Dads with dad bods have such a sense of humor about it, you yeah. know. Um, their kids get huge kicks out of the fact that it's called the dad bod shirt. So that was a accident that us just trying to figure out the size chart. Yeah. Again, going back to knowing nothing about clothing, I bought every single size of a men's and women's shirt from Gap, Ralph Lauren, all of them, trying to dissect this thing and figure out. And there's no... Rhyme do you reason to like it. literally reverse engineer these shirts you know i measure them shoulder to shoulder arm okay. chest him everything and i put together uh, just on paper you know with grids okay here's you know this size chart this size chart and i've said there's got to be some median i can find right. where it points us to and there's not there's not. It's all over the place. It's so this goes mad. back also to you've never had any clothing experience. None, zero. So you owned a or own a tech company. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Like, how how did you talk your partner into this? 
Oh, uh, he <laughs> like you. All your friends think you're crazy. Oh, they think I'm crazy. Day one, yeah. It, it, my business partner and I, we've been in business together for twenty years. Nothing okay. surprises him. Okay. Yeah, we've you know I've run down many tunnels, <laughs> gotten lost, come back screaming. <laughs> you know, uh, we have each other's back on that so no this was a no surprise okay. whatsoever. so speaking of that as an entrepreneur what what is i always hate to, to say one but like what is a piece of advice that you could give an entrepreneur someone building their business mm-hmm. um that you know yeah what's some advice for them so especially if they have no idea what they're doing right um, years ago, I was asked to speak at a high school, and I said, you know, what do you want me to, the high school I graduated from, Okay. I said, what do you want me to talk about? And they said, well, you know, just business, you know, kids would like to hear, and I was like, I don't really, first of all, I don't feel like I know much about business, because I make more mistakes than anything, and I'm thinking, thinking, what can I, and I, it hit me all of a sudden, the thing I used to read biographies in high school and college about like the Carnegies and the Henry Fords. And the thing I could never get a handle on was the A to B. I understand how they got from B to Z, right? Yeah. But the A to B is generally glossed over in business stories, you know? It, it, and so how do you go from having no money, <laughs> but you think every idea you have is brilliant, right? How do you get... So I said, ah, I know how to do that now because I've done it numerous times in business. So when I got to the school, I said, that's what I'm going to talk about. And I, I told the students, it's just start. When I started SiteWorks, my first company, I had a note card of three things I needed. I needed $200 because that was the minimum you needed to open a business checking account. I needed a domain name, which at the time was you know $26. Um, and I needed business cards. And the minimum, you know, they would print business cards for then was $75. So I had this list, you know, I needed, you know, basically $300. And I was working at a bank then as a, you know, customer service rep. And I'm just trying to save up this $300 so I can get these three things. And I got the three things, you know, just, uh, literally, no joke, read HTML for dummies, you know, to get a website stood up. And then just start knocking on doors trying to sell websites to people. So my point to them was, you 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 lit you think you need less to start than you think. Mm. The trick is to start. So if I were to start a clothing company with no money, I would start with the same list. Okay, how much does it cost to get a prototype made? Right? Uh, you know, boom, boom, boom. What's the minimum order quantity? For that? and I would go save that amount working odd jobs, doing whatever I had to do, and then understand that you're going to mess up way more. You're going to screw up way more than you get things right. That's not talked about. But that's the beauty of it. And and this is the other thing I tried to get across to them, is that's the honestly the beauty of it, is you learn way faster and you don't forget those mistakes, but every one of those mistakes pushes you an inch further. Mm. And if you can appreciate that, kind of marathon that's one thing that when when i'm asked those kind of questions it's we don't talk about fail failing that often no. and you know it's one lesson i try to teach the kids now is failing is actually a good thing yeah so you know at the dinner table i'd rather ask what did you fail at today and it sounds bizarre mm-hmm. but what what went well today mm-hmm. you know because everybody you know you can string a couple of good days together for things that went well yeah, but, yeah. Like, I always try to impress upon the kids, well, you don't remember this, but you felt like, how do you know what what the edge of your crib was? Right. You have to fall off first. Right. And then you go, oh, so if I go that far, that's not good. That's it. Or, you know, touching a match or, yeah. you know, anything in life. We just take that for granted. Yeah. But I think that's more, most impactful in business is that it's okay to make mistakes. Yeah. It's actually great. It's good. It's important. And if you don't beat yourself up over it. Right. And the weird thing is to to try to get across is they're not really mistakes. No. It's building. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you have to make those in order to, 
I mean, gargantuan companies have made mistakes. Uh, New Coke, for instance. But if you really look at that example, you know, they, they uh, redid their entire formula put massive amounts of money on the line to launch New Coke. It was a dismal failure. What they did was launched back classic Coke. Mm-hmm. And sales went through the roof because everyone realized what they missed, yeah. including Coke themselves, yeah. right? Is that a failure? Not really. Mm-mm. You know? It's all how you look at it. It's all and how you look at it. It was a, it was a massive building block, a massive learning experience. Not only that, other companies get to look at that and say, yeah. you know, it's actually discussed now in business school. So know? I think I believe things happen for a reason. And oftentimes if you're if you're really disappointed or downtrodden because something bad happened to you or you made this huge failure, I like to think, well, you should just buckle up because that's its way of making way and room for this next yeah, thing yeah. coming down like that really yeah that really matters i always think of the uh the post-it note at 3m yeah, yeah. that was a mistake right the exactly damn, damn stuff wasn't sticking exactly <laughs> ivory soap yeah <laughs> yeah it's crazy yeah so um what are what, what's coming down the what so we have the rugby coming out rugby coming yeah um the polo is that coming back polo's coming back the old school heavy yeah okay. that that's that's um in production uh, Henley, we're working on a collaboration now with Champion. Okay. Because Bridges back in the day had mm-hmm. that Champion relationship. Um, that's coming back. Um, what has been the response of these other iconic brands? The Carhartts of the world, yeah. the Champions of the world. Yeah. What? 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 It's fascinating. Um, a number of these brands have reached out in a cool way. Yeah. You know. Um, we spoke to uh, a guy at Carhartt, and he said something fascinating. Because immediately my head goes to, oh, we should collaborate on something. And he goes, no, what you're doing is right. You're on the right track. You know, he bought some of the clothing. He said, I love it. He said, at Carhartt, we have a saying. That's not our grill. And he said, you know how you can tell a Ford, Chevy mm-hmm truck grill from a mile away at Carhartt we know who we are we do it very well that's our grill yeah the collaboration with that's not our grill I said that is a cool corporate kind of mentality understand what your grill is you know yeah um but yeah to answer your question we've had a number of brands um reach out which has been fun and they're taking notice oh yeah oh yeah and it's been fun you know having those conversations and it's 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 in a way kind of like well you know welcome back to the arena yeah you know it's like a friendly but at the same time (laughs) you know you're in an arena (laughs) you know what i mean you know, you're sitting there asking, why, why are they asking this question yeah. about what what kind of, where we get our buttons from? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Would you say maybe they're a little nervous? I don't, I, w- I don't know if I'd go that far yet, but absolutely keeping an eye on things. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, we're the little guy. <laughs> the really, really little guy. Yeah. That has massive potential and what could be a huge road ahead of us yeah um and you know these brands they have been in this arena non-stop you know since the 60s and some brands you know like your vans and your companies like that and your champions aren't approaching they're approaching it completely in a welcoming way mm-hmm. other brands are like all right you know suit up uh, we need to put a vans collab together i want that's on my <laughs> radar believe me believe me vans is one of the coolest companies on earth yeah mm-hmm. same vibe yeah same vibe yeah yep all right so i was gonna ask this question where can everybody find britches but it's actually 
Sorry, Derek. Yeah, those are social channels. The website is warthog.vip, okay. which is a funny one. You know, being in the tech business, people are like, why did you get VIP? And I was like, you know, sounds cheesy again, but again, back to this as a community, yeah, not just a business, you know. They were all, we all get VIP. There's no special login for the VIP section. I didn't even know there was a .VIP. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. That just kind of organically found itself too, yeah. but yeah. Um, yeah, it's been great. Well, I'm excited for you. I know that everyone that's going to listen to this, well, there's two. There's there's people that are going to listen to this because they want to know what's next mm-hmm. and they're just thrilled that you're back. Um, but I think that people around the country are going to see this brand and find it familiar even though they, they've never purchased a Bridges item before. That'd be great. Yeah. That'd be great. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to see what's next. I appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks. Awesome.